This podcast was made possible by Hot Source Yoga. Are you in Santa Cruz and looking to get or stay fit? You gotta check out Hot Source Yoga in Aptos. It is by far our favorite yoga studio with lots of classes to choose from, and they even offer childcare. I've been hitting the Hot Source Yoga Sculpt, and I've never felt or looked any better. And guess what? They also offer a 30-hour Hot Pilates teacher training online so you can get certified from the comfort of your own home. Ready to make your own dreams come true? The founder, Nicole, is also a life coach miracle worker who has helped hundreds of women and girls empower themselves to make their dreams a reality. Nicole offers sessions in person or online. Use code SHAMELESS for $20 off your first coaching session at NicoleDuke.com. And be sure to visit HotSourceYogaStudio.com to see why it's our latest obsession. I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and sex shop owner. And I'm April, VP of an international high-end pleasure products company and boss queen sex toy mogul. We're best friends who make our own rules about who we are as sexual beings. With everything from how to be a badass in the bedroom to top tips for bringing your relationship to the next level, we have something just for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Hello, everyone. Ho, 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 you naughty little reindeers. <laughs> it's actually going out right before Gobble Gobble Day. Oh, do yeah. your best turkey. Yours is just too good for me to try it. To Come on, try it out. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to go out to talk about a shout out too. <laughs> I think it's Micah, or maybe your name is Misha, but you donated to us on Patreon. We love you. You were awesome. And guess what? We did buy our new mics, which we're not using in this moment because I'm at April's house and we're recording here and um, we have our little mini studio set up at my house. But guess what? You made it possible. We and love you. We're also, because we have new mics, we are also doing our 2020 goal because it's 2019 right now. Our 2020 goal is to have a YouTube channel where we're going to actually have some videos of us. And we actually do have a YouTube channel, but there's not really many videos of yeah. us there. So no. Yeah, that's April's going to be running that show. Be running that thing. She's going to be our film so, director. Yes, and we'll make sure we let y'all know when you can catch us on YouTube. So just to give you all a little timeline of this episode, um, we are going to read a testimonial. We're going to answer a sex question. Uh, and then we are going to read the bio and... Uh, the pun, the podcast will start shortly, shortly after that. So the podcast has started, but the interview will start. This is a timeline. And if you want to fast forward to the interview, you can look in our show notes and it will tell you when the interview starts. One of my friends called me today right before uh, I went to yoga with you. Mm-hmm. We went to Hot Source Yoga today. Mm, uh, it's the best. And she said that she only listens to the beginning of all of our okay. podcasts. So she knows what's going on in my life and she thinks it's amazing and funny. So oh my God, that's awesome. for those of you that don't like the intro, yeah. we've got those of us that do. Yeah, it's true. We get a lot of mixed information from folks. We can't make everyone happy. Some people are like, ah, we don't want to hear personal things about you. And some people are like, I love the personal things about your personal lives, right? It's just because it's relatable and we're ridiculous. So it's fun to share. Yeah. So I, I think know. we're great. We're fabulous. You ready for a testimonial? Chip. Oh, I love testimonials. This testimonial is from a wonderful listener who said, I want to drop you a line this morning and say thank you. Thank you for entertaining me. Thank you for teaching me. And thank you, perhaps most of all, for being so stunningly courageous. Time and again, I listen to Shameless Sex and I find myself thinking that I'm not the only one with all these weird kinks. I'm not the only one who is still in a fist fight with shame. That I'm not the only one whose heart has cracked. It reminds me that I'm A-OK and that almost all of us are, actually. You've made this guy's life better, and I know I'm not the only one. Please keep on posting. Thank you. We will, because yeah. we love this, and that's why we do it. It's so exactly why we do it. work. I wonder if this is one of the people that likes our intros. <laughs> Hopefully. We when, like I mean, who too. doesn't like when April talks about stories about DP and <laughs> and how it's affecting her bowel movements and all that stuff? I mean, it's real life stuff. That's why we did this in the first place, to be just shameless about uh-huh. our lives. And then hopefully that helps other people as it does Inspiring. for this person yeah. to uh, 
get in touch with their shamelessness. Speaking of shameless, um, Pure Pleasure is having a uh, sale right now for Sexy Friday, but it's like a oh, maybe it's a two week thing. Now through December first, is buy one get one forty percent off. So if you go to their website, um, it automatically deducts that. If you go to purepleasureshop.com. When I say they, I mean my mom and I. So well, I don't know why I say they. Interesting. Um, but we, my mom is a primary owner, and I have uh, definitely some stake in the business as well because we started that business many years ago together, and now we just transitioned to online. So I didn't get any equity. Go, no, you probably get any <laughs> equity, but you know she did get her start in the sex story industry. Yes, I that, did. So. so it's I was so we owe actually equity, huh? taking care of myself then you, you my got future. First, you got your first vibrator from there. I did. Hey, now I've got a whole bunch. Now Can't even choose. Now she has too many. All right, you ready for a sex question? I don't. I always get surprised because you don't tell me what they are. So. Surprise! Surprise! It's not about DP. As a child, I was sexually abused, and this has affected my sex life into my teenage years, resulting in further abuse. I listened to your podcast on Tantra and was really inspired. And I find it very hard to orgasm with partners, and I feel a real disconnect with my body. I have blockers, which have been diagnosed by the doctors, and I begin to climax. And when I begin to climax, my whole body goes numb, and it's an unbearable feeling where I could faint. So Tantra sounded perfect. I booked myself a Tantra session, which I was really excited about. The session included a yoni healing, which is all consensual throughout every stage. However, after the session, I felt really horrible and re-traumatized. My body no longer felt like mine again, and I had to wash three times before I passed out to sleep for around 13 hours. I still don't know how to process this information. Do you have any advice? Um, Mm. So one thing that I was... uh, that came up for me when I first read this. Um, what is one, what, you know, you said doctors have diagnosed you. What kind of work have you, I know you went to go to this Tantra session, what kind of work have you done around your trauma with um, therapists and various professionals and to, to actually go in, go in there and kind of do the work that, uh, that needs to be done, that clearly needs to be done. Because the way I like to think of these sort of things, like hands-on tantra sessions, what I think are wonderful, um, and or even people who go on like the medicine work path, you know, like drinking ayahuasca and all that stuff, they do their own wonderful thing. But I think with people with a lot of trauma, you you need that additional support so that when stuff like this happens, you're not left alone. Um, and not all tantra practitioners are created equal. I would I would recommend one that has trauma training you know is trauma informed one who that doesn't just leave this at the end of the session like okay you're done you know and does some aftercare and then follows up with you and gives you tools on if stuff does come up for after the session um and so i'm just curious about that what this tantra practitioner did to keep you um yeah, to, to, to really inform you and to prepare you for what could happen and then also to kind of be there by your side along the way. And, and yeah, just there's a lot of people I know in the Tantra world that claim to be like hands-on yoni healers, but they really don't have that much training. Um, they somehow discovered that they have a knack for healing, you know, G-spots and things or, um, or they're just deeply tantric. And so they start a practice. So if I would also suggest if you work with someone who's a tantra practitioner to really find out their education, their history, their experience, what are they trained in? Um, and if you have trauma, making sure that trauma is a huge part of that because this re-traumatization can totally happen, can 100% happen because there's something in the experience, even if it was consensual, that can open up old wounds and remind you of some things that weren't consensual that happened to you in the past. Uh, and, and then I'm also wondering about the consent piece, like, how clearly did the Tantra practitioner set boundaries in the beginning, teach you ways to voice boundaries? How slow did they go? Um, those are all really important pieces. I wonder if it would be beneficial for this person to go see someone like Dolly, who's been on our show before. Yeah, sexological body worker. Yes, that can kind of tap in slowly maybe to find out what... Obviously, I know it's totally different work, um, but maybe it was a, I don't, it's just, it's hard to say if it was the actual energy exchange or it, I mean, specifically it said it was a Yoni healing. I feel like those, it was so slow and she went so perfectly, um, 
as as fast as I wanted to go. It was yeah. it was all about me and my process. And you had to ask for most things, right? It was mm-hmm. like Dolly wasn't necessarily just doing what Dolly wanted to do. You, she gave you the power to ask to to say what you wanted. And then, well, checking in yeah. and, and being like, "Is this okay? Or can, is it okay if I go this direction?" Or I think that was really powerful. And if I could place myself in this this uh sex question askers shoes i would say that the tantra whatever was triggering about it um maybe to take a step back from that work and kind of go into a different process and Mm -hmm. try something else and and again i think that they it's really good for them to be hand in hand with something else too um so you're you know if you're doing if you're going to do hands-on tantra work or sexological body work to also have a therapist that you can work with when stuff comes up and like it's a lot of people have different different practitioners that they work with who have different modalities different offerings to because not all of them can cover one and it's never really designed to be that way to have one person heal all of your stuff um so well, the, someone for the physical and someone yes, for the emotional. Exactly, and yeah. I think that is that was another piece that I wanted mm-hmm. to share too. I think that's important yeah. for sure. And the thera- type of therapists that are can be really, really wonderful for deep trauma are ones that are working more with the experiential and somatic processes in the body. Um, so I'm personally huge fans of Hakomi, um, H-O-H-A-K-O-M-I, um, licensed therapist or EMDR, licensed therapist. Um, really, really powerful work can happen with them and not just talk therapy. Although after this, this person probably really needs someone to talk to and to go through the, those. Also, but. there's cranial sacral that people can do that really taps in. If you can find someone that does cranial sacral, it's like a really beautiful process for, for the physical body and the working with where energy gets stored and trauma specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh that can be really effective for people that have even as deep as like war veterans. Yeah. So that's also something to look at too. And what this person might be seeing from this process of what happened is that they're actually not ready to go do hands on healing, that they need this other work first, you know, EMDR, Hakomi, craniosacral, something that's not sexual. Yeah. Maybe that is, so that involves touch that is not on the genitals and is touching other parts of the body. You know, river who also is a sexological body work. We did a podcast with river Drosera, um, and I don't know where they are located. They were in the Bay Area. But if you go to riverdrosera.com, they are highly um, trauma trained mm-hmm. too. And so not only do the hands-on work, but when if they were to do a sexological body work session with a client, they wouldn't even touch your genitals the first session usually because they know this. They know that it's you need the buildup and the, to empower them to make their own choices and feel really safe before you go into the much more the parts that may have been traumatized um the sexual you know our genitals and things so mm. tricky business but yeah uh sorry to this listener that to hear that you're um that you're re-traumatized and um really suggest going and getting other support for that um and, and thank you for yeah. your courage for yeah. reaching out totally question yeah it's a really really good question and brave of you um okay so everyone before we read the bio Y'all know our podcast is free, right? It's free. If you're paying somewhere, then, well, we're not responsible for that because it should be free on pretty much all the apps. And to keep it that way, uh, we love when you support our sponsors. And guess what? We only have sponsors that uh, we believe in. We, we are really particular about who we work with, which brings us to a company called Dipsy that we love and you may have heard us talk about before. Our listeners and my clients in my sex and relationship coaching training practice, um, they're constantly coming to us talking about wanting ways to get in their turn on. They have maybe low libido or they're disconnecting their body. They just want to turn up the heat whenever they want to and feel that fire. And we love Dipsy. It's this new program that April will tell you what it is. Um, that is an easy way to access into your turn when you want it. You can take it everywhere. It's an app on your phone. Download Dipsy. It's D-I-P-S-E-A. And it's for women. They're short, sexy stories. Why not add a little erotic story to your holiday hit list? Not just Jingle Bells this year. Get some Jingle Bells. Dipsy. (laughs) So Dipsy is a perfect solution to put a little spice back into your sex life. And Dipsy is offering our listeners, that's you, a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash shameless. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash shameless. Yep. Go check it out, y'alls. Ready for the bio. Alice Little. This was an awesome interview. Alice is is a brilliant, tiny little human. 
uh, you know, powerhouse, I must say. So Alice Little is the most successful licensed sex worker in the United States. Alice has been voted the number one companion of the year at the world-famous Moonlight Bunny Ranch <laughs> Legal Brothel in Carson City, Nevada. I was just there training on some sex toys. She's also a go-to intimacy and sexuality coach, an outspoken advocate for sex workers' rights, and vocal champion for an all-inclusive sex-positive society. To learn more, visit thealicelittle.com. Are you ready, Chip Chop? Yes, I am. This is a good one. Here we go. All right, everyone, episode time. This episode, as you heard in the bio, is with Alice Little, and we are very excited for this podcast. Uh, not only is Alice a, uh, a activist, an advocate for sex workers' rights, but Alice actually um, has a lot of really important information to share uh, about the career itself. I think a lot of people don't really understand how uh, all this works, especially on the legal side of things. So we're really excited to share your perspective. Alice, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so, so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we love fun on Shameless Sex. <laughs> um, can you start by telling our listeners, I mean, we have your bio here, but tell our listeners about your story. How did you get to where you are today? Well, prior to being a legal sex worker at the world-famous Moonlight Bunny Branch, I was traveling around the country as a sex educator. I had always tried my hand in all sorts of different small businesses and career paths, but never quite found something that was the right fit for me. I tried being an EMT, I worked as a jockey in Belmont at one point in time, really all over the place, and what I universally found is that I have this desire to connect with people on a very real, honest level, and through my work at the ranch, I think I finally found something that makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. And you, so like reading about you is, is really incredible because you have this amazing uh, career going for you, which is awesome. And, and your work is kind of described as luxury companionism or a luxury companion. Can you tell our listeners kind of what that entails and a little bit more about that? Because it sounds so sexy, like luxury companion. I love it. Yes. So companionship goes so much more than just simply being present and there with someone. In my line of work, that looks like being an all-encompassing companion in the sense that I'm connecting with them emotionally, mentally. We're having important, deep conversations that aren't just these surface level, oh, how are you? How is your day? We're discussing somebody's dreams or their fears, their hopes for the future, different goals that they have for themselves, either intimately or personally. And my goal and my role is essentially to help facilitate somebody's full rounded success through that very intimate channel. We should all be developing luxury companions like in our everyday lives. That's so important. Um, that's, that's, that's great. So, so, okay. Who are your primary folks? Like the clientele that you are working with and why, and what are they usually coming to you for? I should say. And what inspires them to kind of seek out your companionship? Kind of a a multi-tiered question, but kind of all related to um, your clientele. Well, there tends to be not so much a stereotype as to what type of individual comes to see sex workers. My guests range in age from 21 or 18 all the way to 65, 70 years old. I see men, I see women, I see women with their men, I see married couples, I work with virgins, I work with folks recovering from sexual trauma, I have a number of guests that are also on the autism spectrum or have other disabilities that may limit their ability to connect organically out in like a bar type setting. I see people for so many different reasons, everything from wanting to have an understanding of their own intimate needs, wants, and desires to someone wanting to learn how to be a quality partner for their significant other. What positions are going to be most beneficial for their pleasure? What kinds of activities can we do together to kind of bring us closer in our relationship? For virgins, oftentimes that looks like a first date experience. For couples, maybe it's sex coaching or a threesome. For an older gentleman, maybe it's coming up with different ways to interact sexually beyond penetrative sex. 
Because the reality is, at a certain point in our lives, our sex lives don't end, they evolve. Mm -hmm. And they help people discover that next evolution, whatever it so may be. I love you already so much <laughs> and what you're doing and, and how you, um, I mean, I can tell that there's really a heart and a passion behind it. And, um, and, and obviously there's, there's pleasure, there's joy, you know, there's, there's some yummy feelings that, um, uh, and there's also healing. You're speaking to you know, healing and, you know, a deeper longing and intimacy. And you're talking, I mean, I have, as a sex and relationship coach, I have a number of people that come my way and you are a coach too, by the way, I know that you do that as well. And so you have a number of people come my way that are, you know, in their thirties and forties and have barely dated, you know, they don't even know how, and they want not just touch, but they want intimacy. They want connection. It's terrifying. They're inexperienced. And, you know, I can only go so far with how I can work with them. And um, I, I'm a firm believer in, uh, in sex work as um, for all the things, even if it's just for pleasure, um, but also especially for what we're talking about healing here and for people who have trauma or um, just don't have a lot of access to connection and intimacy. So I'm just loving how you're describing everything that you do. Thank you. It's something that is such a recognizable need in society. We're, we're desperately touch-starved. We don't generally have skin-to-skin contact outside of a few rare circumstances. There was recently a study that I came across that was discussing the rate in which the elderly will visit their doctors seeking out just the physical touch, not that something was actually wrong. They just wanted to be touched. They wanted that skin-to-skin interaction. As we know with children, there quite literally will be um, a failure to thrive if you don't hold and caress and hug a child. And I feel like that doesn't go away as adults either. Mm -hmm. We still have that need to be held, that need to be touched and get to experience things on that deeper, more intimate level. There's always this misconception that, oh, it must be all about the sex. And it's so rarely actually about the sex. It's almost everything else around it. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful beautiful thing. And I, it sounds like you're also seeing people because you're speaking to to about, you know, virgins or people that are starved for touch, but there are plenty of people in relationships who are starved for touch. That's super common. Yes. And the question inevitably comes up is seeing a sex worker cheating. And it's a very nuanced question. And I think there's so many different angles that it can be looked at, but the way that I choose to look at it is that if you have that need, And it's starting to impede and affect every single other aspect of your relationship where you're not able to show up for your wife or your husband because you have such a need for sex and they're disinterested and you don't really want to go out and have an affair, but you just want to get this need met. Well, I don't think there's any shame or stigma in getting a need met, especially when there's no misconception around what's happening. Like, I'm not going to steal your husband, ladies take him back, please. I don't want to keep him. That's not the goal of sex work. Like, let me get that itch off of his back and then return him back to you so he can be 100% mentally there and present. Mm-hmm. That, and it's safe. It's regulated. It's within a space that is 100% consensual and confidential. So people feel safe expressing things that they may not be able to disclose even to their spouse. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how legal sex work is helping in change the world. And it can, it could really, if it was more acceptable, I think all around, um, I know state to state, there's only, is, is it only one state that it's that's legal and that's Nevada, right? That's it. So sadly, sadly, but there's other, I mean, other parts of the world and our podcast is listened to in a lot of different countries, but we've always been advocates for, um, paying for sex work. And uh, especially the, the fact that just to reiterate the safety, the confidentiality, that is so important. And um, personally, thank you for doing what you're doing because it really is important. Um, so can you explain to our listeners how um, how a sex worker working in a legal brothel is different from other sex workers? And kind of not only because we talked about the states, but um, what what kind of are the variables that that um, you can share with us? There's so many different things. And one thing I always want to establish right away is that I don't judge those that work independently or illegally stateside here. That's not my role. I don't speak against them at all whatsoever. But when it comes to the nuanced differences, 
you figure there are some factual things that exist in the legal brothel space that unfortunately aren't happening in the day-to-day industry that isn't regulated. One of the first things is that the ladies have to undergo an extensive background check and FBI fingerprint simply to obtain a work license. She additionally has to comply with a seven-day testing protocol. So every seven days, we are routinely tested for STDs and STIs. And obviously, it's working. And since it's been legal in 1972, there's been exactly zero, no cases of HIV in the legal brothels. So what we're doing definitely works. Condoms are legally required. So unlike independent or criminalized sex workers, I'm not being pressured to do things that are dangerous or unsafe. Those kinds of things are just very minimum expectations within the space. All of the rooms additionally are equipped with the panic button. So if any point in time someone doesn't feel comfortable or is in a dangerous situation, tap the button and help will be there in literally 2.5 seconds flat. It's a beautiful system that allows women to come in from all over the country and work in a place of safety. We have a gate around the perimeter, which is literally there for our own safety. The ladies can come and go as they please, as often as they please. No one is holding anybody captive, which is a wonderful thing, of course. I mean, consent, it's a thing. You have to be able to come and go, part of, part of how that works. But you figure when guests come to the gate, they're actually stopped first and they're asked for their ID. We check. We verify that they are who they say they are before they're even allowed onto the premise. So we know where everyone is at all times for the safety of the ladies. As such, it's created a really beautiful system that I think really allows for success. And there's lots of different models of success within the industry. For example, I'm an appointment-only lady, which means that all of my guests contact me in advance over email We set down 10% of their intended budget since we're not able to discuss rates outside of the brothel property. And and then we meet in person at the ranch space. Other ladies are available during set hours of the day, during set days of the week, as a part of lineup where somebody could walk in, see whom all the available ladies are, choose somebody out of the lineup, and then go and have that conversation with her. And again, it's very important to mention Ladies don't have to show up for any lineup that they don't want to. Ladies don't have to tour with any guest that they don't want to. There are no requirements to book with anyone that you don't want to. It is 100% in control of the women. And as such, when you visit that space, you can genuinely let your shoulders down, take a deep sigh, and know that you're in a space where you can genuinely share and have those confidential conversations and kind of allow yourself to explore sexually in a way that you may not have ever gotten to before. It's a very unique opportunity. That is incredible. I like my mouth was just dropping on a lot of things. I love that. Of course, the security I, I knew would be a thing, but the panic button, that's awesome. I wish I had that just in life where I'm like, help, I need, I need help with whatever. And you have no, someone that could... That's the only reason to date so far that I have used it. I've joked that I've used it more as the adult button. Um, there's a tarantula under my bed. I, I, no, no, I don't do this. Have you had a tarantula under your bed? Yeah, I just about lost my. Foot. Oh, I would use that panic button too. Oh, that would I did. Freak me oh, out. I did. You better believe I threw my shoe with that panic button. I stood on my bed. I'm like, I'm not getting down till you kill it. Oh my God. No, you, you didn't. Yourself and I don't care. Nope. Like, I was just in my room getting ready, and I was just like, oh, hell no, uh-uh. <laughs> they had done painting the day before, so they had left the door open to allow for airflow, and it's Nevada. It's a desert. We have wild horses, and unfortunately, we also have tarantulas. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I feel you. I'd be, I'd be terrified. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're cute in their own way. They're if there's some tarantula lovers out there, there might be it's fine yes. if it's expected it's like the surprise tarantula where i'm like oh i don't i'm good no right, thanks. If anyone thinks tarantula is cute write us an email and tell us yeah i'm sure cute, i don't know about that i mean i guess it's fuzzy but i i lived next to a, co- a girl in college that had a pet tarantula and she would take it out and pet it and i was terrified she get laid a lot no <laughs> i don't i don't think so. <laughs> okay y'all time for a quick break This podcast is made possible by some of our favorite things. 
Uber Lube is one of them. It's a luxurious lubricant great for all kinds of sex. It's less likely to throw off your pH than most other lubes. Seriously? There are hundreds of doctors who recommend Uber Lube to their patients, whether they want to make their hot sex even hotter or for folks who are experiencing dryness. Amy, I know you love Uber Lube too. What do you love? I love Uber Lube because it has no flavor, no scent, and it feels absolutely amazing on my body. In fact, I want it everywhere. I even use it in my hair, for my hair frizzies, for massage, and it can also prevent chafing. Oh, and the bottle is gorgeous. It's discreet and looks like a beautiful cosmetic product, so you can leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, go check out uberlube.com. Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX and you get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com, code SHAMELESSSEX and 10% off and free shipping. This podcast was also made possible by omgs.com. OMGS is a research-based online program that helps you add more sexy things to your menu. OMGS studied thousands of vulva owners to find out how they orgasm and then made tasteful and inspiring short videos to show you techniques on how to pleasure yourself or another vulva. Amy, tell us why you love OMGS. I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it has changed their lives. Whether you're already having good orgasms and want to have even better orgasms, or perhaps you want to explore more variety in your playtime or even learn how to pleasure someone else's vulva, OMGS will have something for you. With two seasons, one all about internal and the other all about external techniques, it's better than any book or DVD that money can buy. To learn more, visit omgs.com backslash shameless and our listeners get $5 off. That's omgs.com backslash shameless. You get $5 off. Go check it out now. And back to the show. I would love to talk about, well, tarantulas, yes, are very interesting. Um, But I would love to know more about, because you're obviously an activist and advocate for sex workers' rights. And there's, it's always changing, obviously, with the, the SESTA-FOSTA stuff. We've done um, other podcasts uh, regarding those laws. But can you talk about what's the latest right now, newsflash, you know, in, in sex workers' rights? Because I, lo- I would love to know. There's such an interesting spectrum in the sense that the Nevada brothel politics are almost a microcosm representation of the macrocosm. Because we see things happening at the SESTA-FOSTA level that's affecting all of the states, but then we also have things that are happening here specifically in Nevada, even at a county by county level, because the legislation right now, it's not at the state level, it's county by county. And so oftentimes in Nevada, that looks like us coming up against potentially damaging legislation at a county level. Recently, the Nye County commissioners had put forward an idea of imposing what's called lockdown, in which the ladies would only be able to leave the work location between certain hours once per every 10 days and only for a medical appointment and only if she had an escort. And they were trying to say that it was because of the fear of STDs and STIs. That sounds like prison. Nobody needs that. It is. It is extremely abusive. And so we started a little movement called StopLockdown.org, and they killed the proposal before they even proposed it. (laughs) So uh, I'd say we were pretty successful on that one. And again, bringing it back to the microcosm being representative of the macrocosm, in terms of the newest stuff coming out, New York recently had a proposal for decriminalization. It unfortunately did not go past committee. However, it's expected to, in the next few years, be workshopped, improved, and then reproposed. DC recently has done round two proposal. So they've already done one proposal, had it sent back. Now they've got the second proposal out there. I don't believe that we're going to see decriminalization anytime soon or expanded legalization anytime soon. And there is a difference between decriminalization and legalization, you figure. And that's an important thing to discuss too. Decriminalization is 
simply laissez-faire, hands off, the government's not regulating, they don't set up any locations to work, there's no work card requirements, there's no testing requirements, it simply allows women to work on their own terms, essentially as independent contractors, but without any sort of structural benefit. In a legalization model, it looks like both. You get all the decriminalization aspects, but you additionally see options that resemble what they have in New Zealand, in which you could work legally out of a brothel or you could work legally independently. Both of those workers, be it brothel or independent worker in New Zealand, do have to require, I want to say they have uh, testing requirements, they have work card requirements. There's a couple of basic things that are required in order to enter that as a profession, but additionally, that gives them access to banking, that gives them access to finance. It legitimizes the career. Mm -hmm. And a lot of folks that are for strictly decriminalization, they don't want any legislation, no brothels, no legalization. I think what they miss out is the fact that legalization is also legitimization in the sense that it does allow this to become a career path for so, so, so far more many people than just the limited pod in the Nevada brothel space. Adding the word sex to anything in banking is so funny because it's um, the banking system doesn't ever, I, and, and I'm sure with sex workers, it's different, but even in our, in our industry, in the sex toy industry, uh, a lot of banks will reject us. Sex shops, like sex positive boutique shops. And I know those things aren't linear. I just wanted to bring it up because it's funny, like banking is such an issue in, in the world of sex. Holy crap it is. We have to bank I always say that we are kind of a sister industry to the uh, marijuana industry in that we're not federally legal. It's legal at the state level or at the county level. And as such, I use a credit union, like a state level credit union. That means I can't go and finance a house in another state if I wanted to go and invest. That's not an option for me. Even though I'm building this wonderful, successful career for myself, there's very real limitations to what I'm able to do. That stigma is so pervasive and it oftentimes exists in subtle ways that people don't even begin to think about. Yeah. For, for example, I went through three primary care physicians before I found someone that was 100% comfortable with what I did for a living and willing to give me eye contact and have a conversation with me during my appointment. Everyone else was like looking away as if, oh, gosh, <gasps> sex worker, no. Mm -hmm. Like, Calm down. It's just sex, guys. Yeah. <laughs> cool. yeah. You're having it too. Yeah. I am having it. Yeah. Our parents had it. That's how we got here. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, it's a part of life and mm -hmm. stop being so stigma-y about mm -hmm. it. How is, I'm curious about, I was thinking of, um, actually I have two questions. One, well, two parts. I'll throw them both at the same time. Can you do like a Cliff Notes version really quickly we, if, for listeners? Because I don't know if the, we, our podcast episode that talks about SESTA-FOSTA is titled SESTA-FOSTA so that some people might be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, can you just, you, know, you don't have to go too much detail, like a quick explanation of that. Okay. And actually, I won't ask you the other part because that's confusing. <laughs> no worries. So SESTA-FOSTA, it stands for Stop Online Sex Trafficking and Fight Online Sex Trafficking. They were a series of bills that were brought into law over this past year that exist at a federal level. Essentially, these laws hold websites accountable for the content of the users, thus opening them up to being legally liable. Therefore, if somebody was supposedly sex trafficked onto a website such as Backpage, Backpage could be legally held liable for the content that the user had posted and thus be charged by the supposed victim. Unfortunately, this legislation was far too reaching and as a result, it actually removed a lot of the safety nets that existed for sex workers. Backpage.com, for example, multiple months after the federal government seized the website, were coming to find out that they were actually cooperative in a number of anti-sex trafficking cases and were more than willing to work with the law to prevent such things. Mm -hmm. All consensual sex workers, any consensual sex worker I have ever met is violently against sex trafficking. And this whole idea of fighting sex trafficking has unfortunately now victimized sex workers where we're no longer differentiating between who's doing this consensually and 
who's actually a victim in this equation. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do sex work. I'm not a victim. I choose to do this. I love this. It's awesome. Like I was offered six figures to go work for a fortune 500 company and manage their media. And I told them, no, yeah. Rather do this, everyone. And okay. it, it's, it's just this idea that because within one you know, umbrella category of a, of a career or, or anything in the world, that if there's some thing not so wonderful happening within that category, we need to get rid of the whole category. That's just like impossible. And, and the laws actually uh, had some negative effects on finding folks that were sex trafficked. Because they did. Before, they, they, underground, right? Yeah, because it was a bit easier to find people when it was more exposed. So that being said, it's, yeah. That, which is a, a great question to ask you for our listeners um, out there and, and including us. Like, How can we all support sex workers' rights? Oh gosh, there's so many different organizations in a way. I really love the SWAP organization in particular. They do some phenomenal work. Additionally, if you're interested in supporting individual women, there is an amazing group called Sex Workers Behind Bars that shares the Amazon wish lists of reading material that criminalized sex workers are looking for access to while they're unfortunately serving jail time. Mm. Many of these women that are serving jail time are indeed victims. They were actually sex trafficked at Mm. some point in their lives and are now being charged as adults with the crime of prostitution. Mm. Whereas others serving time are consensual sex workers that unfortunately just worked outside the legal sphere. It's a part of our society that currently exists that it's really unfortunate. I hate the fact that it is so heavily criminalized, and it's something that I personally want to learn more about lobbying to help change the legislation and start the conversations to expand what we already have here in Nevada and what's clearly working in Nevada to the other 50 states. Like, come on, guys, get out of the dark ages. Let's go. My guess about that too with the, I mean, okay, first of all, let's talk about like, someone who's trafficked and then thrown in jail for that. So like, let's punish you on top of your punishment. Such a backward system. I guess it's a lot of marginalized folks, you know, like a lot of people of color and a lot, and a lot of, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the, the whole criminal system of throwing, making a whole bunch of people criminals who aren't criminals and, and based on the color of their skin and, um, you know, how they grew up and et cetera. So I'm, the amount of money, yeah, economic status, and so all yeah, all these these factors, and uh, but God, I can't even imagine being sex trafficked. Then be like, okay, here you go, so, you know, go sit in a cell and be punished on top of that. It's all so so backwards. So my guess is, I guess you know, last question before we have you kind of wrap up to um, tell all of our listeners how they can find you and more about you, because I'm sure they're all like, how do I learn more? Um, my guess is an appointment. How do I book? Yeah. yeah. Well, and and so my my guess is that your stance is going to be somewhere along of the lines of uh, legalizing sex work everywhere. What do you? What is your thoughts on that? Legalization and decriminalization at a nationwide level is what we need. Mm-hmm. We need decriminalization in order to expose sex trafficking and literally drive it out of the shadows. That's what we did with marijuana. We legalized it, we regulated it, and we also decriminalized it. Now we don't see people sitting in jail cells for petty drug crimes. Mm -hmm. Why don't we create a system that's beneficial to society? Like, I don't give a shit. Tax the hell out of me. Tax Mm -hmm. the crap out of our brothels. Like, I don't care. We will happily do so in order to have a system that actually works and serves the women most importantly. Mm -hmm. Right now, there's so few options for women. They're required to travel out to Nevada. Like, I didn't grow up here. I wasn't born here. I live here because this is where the brothels are. Mm -hmm. It limits where I get to live. It limits my freedom of choice in that way. And thankfully, I don't have any children. I don't have a spouse. I've got three chihuahuas, a one-eared cat, a mini pig and two horses. Like, <laughs> I have an adult family. <laughs> so for me, this is a doable choice. I get to live out here and work full time on my own terms. Mm-hmm. But for many women, single mothers, for example, they don't really have this as an option. Mm-hmm. So we need expanded options elsewhere that actually serve everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. And I like the distinction that you made between decriminalization and legalization. And, and yeah, we live in Santa Cruz, California, so we're very aware of um, what's happening with, uh, with uh, the marijuana out here and, um, and federally too, but how it, that has shifted. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I love that you, uh, that you, yeah, you advocate for that worldwide. And, um, I think April and I are on the same page as you, uh, can you tell our listeners, uh, which we shared in your bio, your website and all that, but how people can work with you. And also I know you do coaching. Are they, do they, uh, is it need to be in person at the ranch? Can people do, do work with you online or is it just in person? Oh, no, it is online as well as in person. Over Skype, I offer a whole host of individually catered options, just depending on what your needs are. I work with women. I work with men. I work with couples together. And we can kind of come up with a program that works specifically for you and addresses your needs. You figure if you're looking to spend time with me, be it in person or digitally, Email is the best way to go. That's going to be alicelittle at bunnyranch.com. You can also visit my website, thealicelittle.com. And that links to all my social media, my blog. You can get access to my YouTube channel through there. I do a little live show called Coffee with Alice on Thursday mornings, 10.30 a.m. PST. Just kind of sex, intimacy, and coffee. You get a little morning chat. Your uh, post, I was looking at your Instagram the other day and they are awesome. You're like, you, you, I think you had a picture of like your Dungeons and Dragons and like yeah, animals and all these things. So I love how you're, I mean, obviously you're not, um, you're, you're not hiding behind a personality or an image just from what I, this is my guess, or from my um, observation, you're, you know, it seems like you're authentically you in the way that you show up online, you know, on, on, on air and with clients, I imagine too, in your work. And I think that's so, uh, it's just, just so beautiful to see. And, and April and I, we love seeing people who are doing this, you know, our activists and who are educators and, you know, and, and, and then for you, you're actually doing hands-on work and also are really passionate about it. You know, it's not just like, oh, pay the bills. It's like, no, I really care. I want to change the world and I want to help people, you know, at the one-on-one level, but also help to change the, change the world as an advocate too. So thank you so much for sharing and for everything that you do. You are a fucking awesome human. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me. Like, it very much so feels like, as silly as it sounds, my mission in life is to get prostitution legalized from coast to coast. Like, that's the damn legacy I want to leave on America. Sex for all. Compliments of Alice Little. I think you should run for president and you should, instead of little with your last name, because the only thing that's little about you is like your petite in size, but your fierce boss uh, queen, I was gonna say boss bitch, but I don't know if you if you like that. But oh yeah, I'm game for that. Oh good, okay, cool. <laughs> first for that one, yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, but wait, but Alice, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us and sharing with our listeners the amazing work that you're doing and continuing to do, and we support you. And I hope our listeners um, can actually, you know, help advocate for sex workers' rights too, and from coast to coast decriminalize that shit because I've been to Amsterdam. I've been to Amsterdam and I can tell you, I've never felt safer in a country in my life because no one was on the streets raping and, and murdering and being crazy. Maybe they are, but I didn't see them. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that still happens, but But I mean, I, I, but I mean, yeah, it seems like, in, I mean, okay, so let, I just, I know, I know we're closing, but I want to say one thing. You know how we're talking about in, in what's going on right now with like the mass shootings, there's the incel, the idea of an incel, which is involuntary, yeah. involuntary celibate. And I've mm-hmm. heard uh, Rain DeGray, who is um, a uh, porn star and educator and has a podcast. She She's was brilliant. talking you know who she's, yeah, she's amazing. She's so, I mean, she's, I love her. She's got a nerdy brain and I love me some nerds. And so with you, I know that you're a nerd too. Love it. And, uh, <laughs> but she was saying that, um, that, you know, sex work is giving involunt incels, involuntary celibates access to, uh, to touch, to connection in that, you know, back in the day, I'm not going to say this perfectly, but back in the day, you know, you, and, and actually still in a lot of cultures used to be able to kind of buy it like love and sex was a business arrangement you could buy you know trade some goats for a partner meaning a woman and so this is this idea that 
you know, that wasn't necessarily uh, something that people were maybe as starved for because or arranged marriages and things like that. And that now we live in a time, I'm talking specifically Western culture, where there isn't this access to people who um, have a need. And I'm not talking just sex, like you're not either, Alice, talking connection, closeness, touch, intimacy. Um, and so we're, we're really speaking to something that I'm not saying that like, you know, sex was going to solve all the mass shootings, but there is this idea that, you know, there might be this link to these people that are like super angry and upset that they don't have access to closeness and companionship. Uh, and this is kind of a way of revolting. So sorry, this is a tangent we're about to call this out, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a good tangent though. It's worth having. Yeah. And it's just some food for thought for folks out there. Just take a minute and think about those types of things. So, and if you're anti-sex work and you still have to listen to this podcast or anti-sex work, like maybe ask, ask yourself why, because a lot of that I think is we're taught that, you know, we're taught that this is wrong and that like sex is sacred, but like, you know, who told you that, you know, where did that come from? That original idea? And what does sacred even mean? You know, what's your definition of sacred versus someone else's? Because sex work, from what I'm hearing from you, Alice, I'm sure there's plenty of sacred shit going down between your interactions with your clients. <laughs> yep. 100%. There's a reason that historically speaking, if you go all the way the hell back to the time of Mesopotamia, sex workers were akin to communicative with the gods where they actually lived in the temples and they were priestesses as well. And they kind of served this dual role in society. And it was recognized as something that was highly respected and very important. Like, Oh, there they go. And it's only in recent times and not that long ago, as early as say 1960s, there were brothels elsewhere in the country. You guys, it was not that long ago. There is no reason that we can't undo what we've changed and bring that shit back. I watched plenty of, plenty of Game of Thrones. Not that that's an accurate historical account of anything, but they, look at, I mean, that's, yeah, the, the brothels were a meeting place where a lot of, a lot of shit went down. What about mm -hmm. the now we're just talking about like in the you know 60s 70s and 80s oh, when yeah. the the kind of the transition i know this on is HBO? hbo everyone yeah. so i can't say this is uh, exactly accurate but the transition between the like the mass push to really um crack down on sex work and what that looked like too and also it has a lot of hot sex in there so you should probably watch it. all right i'm down for all very of it. interesting i'm really well, sad that you can't trade camels for sex anymore <laughs> damn it you can somewhere uh, right? Yeah. Um, well, Alice, thank you so much once again. I hope that we have you back another time because you were fabulous. And um, yeah, we just continue being you because you're fantastic. To our listeners oh, out you. there, aw, um, to our listeners out there, we love you so much too. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next Tuesday. You're part of the shameless sex revolution. Remember that. So ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.